I'm Dr. Sharon Dukes. And I'm Melvin Dukes. We're HBC graduates, proud educators, and most importantly, husband, husband and wife. wife. And you're listening to After School, School Talk, Talk Podcast. Blackness is not important. It is d- ancillary to my story. And therefore, I don't have to do it. Mm-hmm. it goes- and that's why little black kids across America don't do you. Yep. Yep. It yep. goes right back to what Sharon was saying earlier about the students in a high school. This is not for us. It's, it's not for me. I don't, I don't need it. But you actually do because you're going to be interacting with black people. So you might need to know a little something, something about their history, their culture, where they came from and stuff like that. Well, their history is your history. Absolutely. The reason that Absolutely. white people eat okra and fried chicken in the way that they fry it, the reason that they cook is because black hands in the South made the food and they combined West African traditional food techniques with European food techniques. Mm-hmm. And everybody in the South, if you eating Bojangles, Kentucky Fried Chicken, Church's Chicken, Zaxby's, if you like any Chick-fil-A, all of that is from Black Hands, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. again, it's hilarious to, if you don't recognize it, to think that only Robert E. Lee only George Bush, only Clinton may until until the modern era, that's the only time you get black people making, you know, contributions to the world. When if you know history or if you know if you have stu- just a little study will tell you that Dvorak based his whole concerto, um, um, a New World Symphony on the spirituals. Right. On hearing enslaved Africans are people who were free, recently free, seeing the spirituals. <laughs> so, like, even when you're dealing with, like, what we might think is high end kind of stuff, a lot of times the inspiration comes from black folk. Comes from black folk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, again, like, I think that if a professor or a teacher can bring that into the class without without um with with a bit of ease um, and doesn't say things like, well, you know, the Civil War was really about the states. It wasn't, it was about states' rights. It wasn't about slavery. Yeah, no, that's that's actually untrue. And that <laughs> means you just have taken the classes that would help you. The Civil War was, was about states' rights, but it was about states' rights to control the, the economy of, mm-hmm. of commodifying flesh. Mm-hmm. So again, like even when we deal with slavery or like the reason that we have these um, these concerns about black hair has a lot to do with 18, eight, I mean, with early 1800 and seven, 1700 and 1800 um, philosophies about black women not being able to have their hair up. And there are a set of rules that come out of New Orleans that actually took over across the South as the reasons why black women wear Hair wraps, and so like that's why your little black kids don't be mad about wearing their little, um, their little bonnet to class, so they do rag the class because on some level, black hair was meant to be hidden in slavery. So like these are things that show up again and again, and that's why I will tell. Like I mean, I could talk about this for hours, but y'all already know this. Um, <laughs> like, like I think on some level. I think on some level, most people do not want to learn black history because ultimately to come in contact with the history of another person is also to, um, to also have to, to deal, to, to know truth and to be changed by it. Um, 
And it's much easier to say, it's much easier to live in white supremacy, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. much easier to say that, like, Chaucer is more important than Toni Morrison. And that would be a lie. Because mm-hmm. Chaucer is not important. Like, how is Toni Morrison less important? How is Zora Neale Hurston? How is Langston Hughes? How is Rita Dove? How is, how is James Baldwin less important to what's happening right now in America? Mm-hmm. Than, Ch- than Chaucer. What does Chaucer teach us about what's happening right now in America? And the reality is, like, I think people are just so happy about Europe and Europeans' um, contribution to America, but Europe, Europe is not the only contribution. And we, right, I mean, and right. I ain't even got to, like, Native America. We ain't even got to indigenous pieces yet. Like, whose <laughs> land are these buildings even built on? Like, do you have a land acknowledgement of where this land, this land ain't yours originally. So mm-hmm. whose <laughs> land is this? Who owned this land? Mm-hmm. And so a, again, at higher ed, like I do think we're starting to make some strides, but it's, it's a fight. This, this work is a fight. Right. And I think, like you said, in higher ed, there are some strides, but then you look at the K through 12. And then I think about how many of my former students have never enrolled in much less step foot on a college campus so the gap for them in knowing their history knowing more about our culture is vastly different than the ones who actually got the opportunity to go to a college campus and, and really different for the ones who got to go to a college campus a college campus and went to hbcu right so it's like right. my i you know the reason why i started this podcast my whole focus is always that K through 12 is going to have to take a closer look at their extracurricular activities and bringing more student affairs practices to their schools so that they can create more well-rounded students. And I think that that's when we can then push the educator to learn what they need to learn to offer that kind of support. Because for them, the only thing you ever evaluate me on and care about is this math class. You don't care that I'm teaching nothing else. And then if I do try to go outside the box and offer something, that's taking time out of what you technically are paying me to do. Mm-hmm. So therefore, that that's where that 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 tug of war comes in. But it takes like right. a, us higher ed professionals to be like, no, you are doing a disservice to the educator who wants to offer it and the student who needs it when you don't make space for that. Because there's... You've talked about this before, yeah. um, about that even offering the physical space for students to be in. And then you look at K through twelve, we don't even offer the the dialogue. We don't even offer that. Whereas the it was so many teachers that I can think of who tried their best to make that happen and they knew it was frowned upon or wasn't encouraged or that it didn't right. go along with the curriculum map. So therefore you gotta shift and get back to talking about this because that's what they're gonna get tested on. Right. Well, and because again, like the tests are not based on what black students need. The tests on the tests are based best based on how well black students can perform as white people in blackface. Mm. And, and here's what I mean by that. Most of Hello, what we learn in school. No, I'm here. Can you hear me? Oh, I think we lost him. I'm here. Yep, I hear you. Hello? Oh, okay, there we go. Now we hear you. Oh, I was about to say, see? Yeah, we can hear you now. Okay, I'm here. Can you hear us? Yeah. Okay, yeah. You just did a drop the mic. You did a drop the mic and you literally <laughs> You left us with that line and then you disappeared. <laughs> no, I'm here. I think 
I think I think that when you look at education, most of it does not teach us anything about ourselves. And so what we're testing black kids is on a knowledge to learn the world from a white perspective and regurgitate that back. And you are awarded for that, rewarded for that from elementary to high school, right? Because black people, even black scholars are not consulted on curricula. Not really. Like we're not, no one ever asked us like how to build out the curricula so that it is fresh. Like, and so like, that's why you get a, that's why you like, you get textbooks that say crazy stuff that's actually not true. And we have to undo it when they get to college. Like we have to go in and go, actually, I know that you were taught that the civil rights movement was a nonviolent movement, but it actually wasn't nonviolent. It was violence exacted on black bodies which black people were not violent, <laughs> could not be, could not respond in violence mm-hmm. in order to show white, in order to show the world that white Americans were crazy. <laughs> it was a move to embarrass the world. And yet, and yet back then though, right. And it then not, you have it, all that going back then and nobody says nothing, but then a target get burned down and now all of a sudden black lives matter. The whole movie right. don't count no more. The whole movie is violent. And you'd be like, but actually when we blew up the little black kids in the school, in the, in the church, that was violent. When they murdered Emmett Till, that mm-hmm. was violent. When mm-hmm. they murdered the white woman, um, Louisa, when she came down from Ohio and spent and, and, and was a, a participant yep. in that, that yep. was violent. When the freedom yep. fighters bus got burned on the way out of coming out mm-hmm. of Atlanta into, into, into Alabama, that was violent. Like, we need to interrogate what we think is violence. Like when you pour a black coffee, when you pour a black coffee, sco- hot black coffee over black kids' hands because they sat at a table in, in a Woolworth table in Greensboro, North Carolina, which is February 1st, like an easy, easy one. Like here, here's a story. Black high school students and black college students started the, you know, started the sit-ins. Like that's who started the sit-ins. And so mm-hmm. like when you, you know, but like they sat there and had to be humiliated. And they, and to be fair, much of what we know about like where some of the brutality and pledge processes came from has a lot to do with some of the trainings that they got in the civil rights movement. So there is a symbiotic relationship between learning how to handle pressure in the civil rights movement that also ties hand in hand with some of the ways in which 20th century pledging in collegiate uh, historically black fraternities and sororities or black Greek letter organizations exist. And there's research on that. So like, (laughs) it's amazing to think about like the beauty of black life um, and the tenacity of black life, but how much gets left off the table, like in the study. And that's why we, I think it's, I think one of the worst, I think the reason that black kids don't, are not connected to school is because they don't see themselves in anything. They don't see themselves. They just see themselves in the classes as students, but like, and they might see themselves in the music in the band, but like if the choir only sings stuff that is written by white people 
And if the, and it, I mean, even if, and, th- and we're talking about like, we, you can go to black schools and see this happening, right? Like there's no talk about like any of the stuff that we've just discovered. I've just talked about, Mm-mm. but like, if that's what's happening at the predominantly black school, you can only imagine it. What, what it's like to be at the oh my god oh jesus because we being so that we, we worked in black schools and never and we saw that this didn't happen we we worked there yeah, we so, had a, we, it was like what five white kids in the building and it still was being neglected right and they would say like no 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 we can't teach that because the white kids might be offended and you're like but he, <laughs> but we have a responsibility to raise up 2,000 black students or 5,000 black students or 400 black students and to give them the breath of, of, of black life so that they might see themselves in beautiful technicolor, right? They might identify with Josephine Baker and now they can connect, like, or they might identify with, you know, Marion Edelman Wright, or they might identify with um, Dr. Barber, or they might identify with, you know, you know, any of the hidden figures, but like on some level, like children, black kids are being asked to go to schools to normalize whiteness. Hmm. And that's why they don't succeed. Hmm. And somebody gonna have to fight me otherwise. So hmm. okay. if you think I'm wrong, just call me. <laughs> I wish you could see Melvin's face. I wish you could see Melvin's face. Girl, that was a uh, that was a, a hit right there. A aha moment like huh. to normalize whiteness. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause that's what I'm yeah, learning that's about. We, that's- right. Well, because that's why we say that's why we say dumb things to people like, oh, the black girl, you know, I mean, he's you know, they told me I was talking white and I, I'm just talking regular English. Well, actually, what they're really saying is you don't seem to have the same cultural idioms uh, that is um, that ties West African language traditions to American culture and merges into what we might call Gullah or Geechee down on the coast. But um, Ebonics in the, you know, Ebonics are Southern vernacular, whether you want to talk about it like that. And what it seems like you're doing is you're code switching every day to make white people comfortable because the language that's at your house is uncomfortable with the language that you got to speak in this classroom. And what you are doing, brother or sister, or what educators tend to do is they tend to make a black kid feel bad about the language that they come, that they bring to the classroom. And they don't tell them that they're having to, that this is actually what we're going to teach you how to do is code switch so that you can make it in America and you understand that these systems are oppressive, but we're going to give you the skills to be, to understand your language. No, what we do is tell a kid that, oh, well, saying ain't is not right. You feel me is not right. And what you try to, you know, shout it, that's not a real word. Like, mm-hmm. so we try to take students, we try to interrogate students for the cultural things that have raised them, that gave them life, that um that are a part of what they grandmama said to them, that are a part of like what they great grandmama said to her. So like on some level, then we tell black black kids then like oh you are better because you code switch better mm. Mm. you are better and, and that's not acting white that's just being smart no mm. what you just said was um code switching the ability to code switch well um and to leave your african heritages vernacular slave languages in the field the language of your grandmama or your great-grandmama or your great-great-grandmama. 
right? Mm-hmm. Or the language of your cousins. To leave that language um, in your home and to disconnect that in order to be in a white world is the best way to be in the world. And we're going to reward you for that. We're not going to reward you from being able to go back and forth between the two. Uh, we're not going to reward you from being able to help us explain to help explain your cultural idioms. We're not going to reward you for thinking about that. What we're going to reward you for doing is we're going to reward you for participating for um, for being an actor or an actress that mm-hmm. looks that is white on the inside. And black on the outside. And black kids there say, you're Oreo. Or you think yeah. you're better than me. Yeah. Yeah. Are yeah. you white? Yeah. Or, and, and it's not until black kids go to college, those kind of black kids go to college, that they realize that, the, that what they have been asked to do is to leave pieces of themselves at home. Mm-hmm. And white kids don't get asked to leave pieces of themselves at home. Leaving pieces of yourself at home and and having to act and mask further pushes that Black history program cannot be performative or just entertainment. Mm -hmm. Because that's what what you're having to do on a daily is just entertain people. And then now you want me, which we've talked about before of, you know, this whole thing about you're going to learn what the black kids do and then you're going to go on stage and perform it and that's a sign of unity that is not that is performative no. and that and that that is not your that's not what you do because even with our own culture for black history it's like brother that's not that's not the only thing we do that is one was one sector well everybody wants to get the little black kids up to do a hip-hop song with the white kids because everybody wants to right. act like hip-hop right. was is like everybody's Hip hop yes. is an entity that comes out of black and brown suffering in New York. I don't care what you say. That's the history of hip hop. It has mm-hmm. been exploited, but it is still the language of the unheard. Like it is like it's the reason why you got we gonna be all right or crooked smile or like like it it is like or, or, or any of these songs. It's the reason why black folk have to continue to create other forms of hip hop because they don't want you to know what they're saying, which is why we get trapped. Right. Yeah. So, no, I am not going up on stage and performing. We are the world with these white kids who hate me. And I don't think you should. And they don't get to use the language. They don't get to know why, what on God mean. They don't get to know. Um, per what per mean? They don't get to know that. They don't get to know all of that because that language is not meant for them. If it was meant for them, they would know it. Ha 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 ha, Jesus! Because you know what? That's the big thing that you just said. We continuously evolve and come up with new, <laughs> new ways of saying things, new music, new whatever. Because once it hits mainstream and they got it, it's no longer ours. And no and the fact that yeah, I, you know, like, I even had people tell me like, "Well, who does it belong to, Bruh, It's ours. I don't know how else to explain to you that it's mine. <laughs> like this is my culture. This is where we come from. So when you get it and you flip it, okay, well that ain't mine no more, and I got to come up with something else." Mm-hmm. Right. The other the other thing is like nobody because on some level, like if I perform for you and this is just about white people's fetish and centering whiteness to to be entertained. 
I then turned myself into a minstrel. Mm-hmm. Can can you explain what minstrel is? Uh, so minstrel is like comes out of this fetish fetishization of slavery of black people playing instruments and tapping and mm-hmm. doing comedy, which gives way to two forms: one vaudeville, um, which is what was what white folk had, and then what black people had was the chitlin circuit. Which the Chitlin Circuit is like, if you think about it in a modern day sense, is what you get um, when you think about like Tyler Perry plays and things like that. Even Kev on stage and and like some of those other uh, uh, artists, comedian artists, comedic artists mm-hmm. are really kind of um, they're they're they are they are uh, not ancestors. They are their ancestors are the Chitlin Circuit. But minstrels, what minstrels thought to do was to fetishize blackness and and to exaggerate blackness in such a way that even black performers had, black or white performers had to wear charcoal um, on their faces, exaggerate black forms of speech, uh, like black forms of like vernacular, and then tell stories that would otherwise be told in the field or like, you know, like some of our stories, um, sing songs that reminisce to slavery and to make white people think of the plantation as this beautiful place. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, um, the tradition was alive and well up until the like sixties. Um, and minstrelsy then took forms and turning, you know, like it's the, you get blackface. Um, you get you get all kinds of forms of like black stereotypes, like mammy, coon, zip coon coming out of it, pickaninnies, all of those, all of the, these very difficult stereotypes that show up in black culture or in in culture and popular culture um, that leave way to like Aunt Jemima and Uncle Tom and all of those kinds of things um that even show up in our food like and show up in pancake mixes and syrups and mm-hmm. cookie jars and right. all kind of shenanigans and so but ultimately the men- minstrelsy uh is a continued appreciation of the plantation and thinking about the enslaved african as the happy shiftless lazy negro who needs the paternal experience of the plantation to keep them going. And it really is like, it's so, it's like, it really is a fetish of white folk who really are still in love with the plantation as luxury. So, yeah. And we all get mapped into it regularly. (laughs) So that would be if, hmm, follow me on this. If okay. blackface was the opportunity for them to do the dances and music of uh-huh. the, the of of black culture, um, and they did, to, and that's and what they did to be black, and they get on stage and they yep. get to perform it, um, and like you said, they would do these stereotypes of blacks. Then yeah, but they get to wipe off their blackness, right, 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 the, right. So the let me same ask you way this. white kids. The same way white kids get to take out their gold teeth. Huh? Hmm. Yes. Yes. That gives me that um, 
which is technically similar to Miley Cyrus when she decided she was going to be into the hip hop trap music no. and then was like, oh, never it's mind. The same way with Kardashians. Yes, yes. It's the same way with Kardashians. Same thing. Same thing. Decide they're going to darken their skin just a little bit. Um, there it's the same way. Like it's the same way. Like, well, I'm at the hip hop club, so I'm gonna wear like a hip hop thing. Um, and it's actually, it's actually funny enough. Like, there is always a difference with a white kid who's been raised around black folk who brings the sensibility of black folk because, on some level, like they are immersed in the culture. Mm-hmm. Than somebody who is opting in and gets to opt out as because what they're doing is cultural voyeurism. So, it, wait, and I think whoa, whoa, a lot whoa. of times, cultural like, vo- cultural voy vo- say it again, <laughs> kid. Look, I couldn't even get the word out of So I think a lot of I think a lot of times when we're doing Black History Month programs, it's cultural voyeurism. Like, it's not like an appreciation of the art as it is. It's usually some crazy, weird, sanitized version that then has to make white people feel good about themselves instead of challenging them to go <laughs> learn and pick up a book some more. You, yep. Right. Period. I, period, Pooh. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. I, and, I, and black kids... Yeah, I think I think black kids then and black kids and the other thing that happens often on college campuses is like black student unions, black black organizations spend their whole entire January and February trying to educate black white folk about the history and stuff of uh in in terms of like in terms of, you know, in terms of like black history and black stuff that they end up missing the opportunity to celebrate their own successes. They end up missing the opportunity to reflect on who they are as black people and what they want to be as black people. And so I often say, I mean, and I, I was a BSU president, so I can say this with, and watching BSU presidents is that I think that on a college that we, that we put the, the, we put the responsibility of executing black History Month on Black students who really should be able to go to class and just be doing their thing instead of having to teach the world their stuff. To be fair, they're not being paid. That's one. So they're not being paid for their sweat equity. And if they're going to have to be professors, they at least should get an additional stipend. Secondly, Mm -hmm. Mm. in school you're in i mean y'all know because you've been in college you know in college like you got a semester you don't have a year long to, so if you have a you make an f in the class because you're trying to save the save the world and teach the white kids how but you know beyonce you know beyonce why beyonce is important to you because they're being antagonistic uh you know unfortunately like you're wasting time and this is what i i hear tony morrison in the back of my head the whole point of racism is to get you off of the things you are called to do, to do something else. Like, it's to get you off your path. It literally is like the mommies and the poppies in the whiz. <laughs> it's to get you <laughs> off your path. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if that's the point of racism, 
Like, then, then do black kids need to be doing all these programs, trying to yeah, try Joe Love. Come learn how to step. Come, let's teach you the cha cha slide. Like, who is that for? Because white kids just get to opt in, go in, try it out, then go home and go back to their studies. Meanwhile, black kids got to clean up, pick up, organize the stuff. Then they got to be told, you know, the first time they ask for it, they got to be told no, and there's no money for it. And they got to go justify it. And they got to write a whole proposal that nobody else got to write for anything. And mm-hmm. then and then they get to do the program on nothing, on no sleep. They tired, they're angry, they pissed off. The school done told them they don't really want Black History Month programming here, but they did it anyway. Now everybody thinks it was a good idea. And now it's, in, it's like in all the little papers about the university's efforts to make sure that the school has done multicultural and diverse work. And the real truth of the matter is like the really what the stu- what the school did, and I think this happens in high schools, is we pimp the students to do work that the staff and faculty should be doing. Mm. 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 So if you want to oh. do diversity and inclusion work, <coughs> bring the band in, bring the singers in that need to be paid, bring the intellectuals in that need to be talked to. Make sure that you open spaces for the students who are black, that they get to have intimate VIP conversations with these people and that they get to have dance classes or art classes or music experiences that they would not ordinarily have. Bring them in to be inspired so that your children can come face to face with things that will bless them beyond Shakespeare and Chaucer and whatever else BS you teaching in them classes. Mm. <laughs> and, at, and at the end of the day, it's all about, like you say, bringing people in. It, it's about giving you that experience. Um, the same way, yeah. like you say, Shakespeare will, you know, act out that scene, do that play, and all this kind of stuff. You get that experience, but let's let's act something else. Let let's do something else. Let's do something that's, that, that's different. That's that's coming from my my neck of the woods. Let's bring in my stuff and let's act that out. Let's talk and, about that. And on top of that, we're gonna bring that in in my neck of the woods. But I'm I'm not solely responsible for the whole operations of it. It's right. like I say when right. it, when it's like a oh let the black kids teach the white kids how to do this and that's the history moment. No, me sitting <laughs> up here teaching you my my culture and something that I have does not teach you my my the history. That's right. not how that works. And me saying this is important doesn't do that. And we do that with with Hispanic well, students it? too. Oh, go teach them how to salsa, and then now they're gonna like it. No, no we watch constantly how we have seen people with mega hats coming to Mexican restaurants to eat. Because I don't care nothing about your culture. I like your food, though. Mm-hmm. But I still think they need to build this wall and your cousin can't come over here because mm-hmm. he probably a rapist. I mean, right. at least that's what the president said. So we're going to go with that. So it's not, it can't just be a performative thing. That mm-hmm. That's why I, I believe, like, the whole, like, with everything you're saying, the big part is, like, your programming has to interrogate racism. It has to push the buttons and yes. the boundaries of that. It cannot be where you get to step in our world and have fun and learn and be like, oh, that was so cool. And then you get to jump out and not think about it anymore. That's not fair to that's not fair to us because we, we can go have fun in our own cookout and learn our own steps. That, that's what we Amongst do. Ourselves. Amongst ourselves. Yeah, I got to sit here and teach it to you so you can just be cute. And, and and for the most part, like, that's what probably what we should do is go sit. So, like, when I think about, like, one of the things that I think you're I think you're right about is, like, I think you can do arts related programs as a way to help get people to understand. 
But I also think that the arts-related programs can't be on the back of Black students because ultimately what we're saying is we don't think this has experts and we don't think this should cost money. But the football team costs money. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what you're saying is that you ethically don't have a commitment fiscally to doing diversity and inclusion work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what y'all, that's what most people are saying. They'll be like, oh, I mean, how much did last year's Black History Month program cost? $20. And so that's what you think about Black students is that they're only worth $20. $20. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so what we then do is like, again, like it's, it, we fetishize blackness. We fetishize those students. And I think it's ridiculous to think that students, the students may not have the language to describe what is happening, but they know something is not right. Right. So they'll right. be like, I don't understand why the teacher be at getting all frustrated with me. And she know, I know how she, I can speak English, but I just like to speak like this. I don't like her no way, ugly ass, right? So, <laughs> so now, now most of us know what she's what what we've met that he or she, and we know what that student is saying when they say all of that. And what they're really saying is like, sis, like back up. Like I'm trying to be my authentic self, and what you want me to do is in order for me to win something that I don't even know I want to win. It's like I gotta I gotta be somebody I'm not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like that's one thing that we're saying then you want me to be uh, she asked me to teach white but that white boy who ain't got no rhythm how to step okay so what are we really saying what we're really saying is is like this kid is not like why am I teaching the sacred art of blackness <laughs> why am I teaching sacred black stuff to a random white kid who doesn't even believe I am smart enough to be in their presence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. does that help that white student see me as valuable? Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and is it like, and really honestly, like maybe that ain't even the question because whiteness, we need to dislocate our value from whiteness. So maybe I don't need you to see me as valuable. But I also don't have to give you the the launch pad codes to blackness either. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give you the codes to the to the nuke. <laughs> I'm gonna give you the codes to all of the. I'm gonna give you the launch codes to black people that you don't even care about, and you ain't never been to a BSU meeting. You never talked. You don't. Even, you told me that the black professor was incompetent, and that yeah, you, everybody you never loved even, that black you've never professor. even spoken to me. You don't even speak to me. You don't know my name. You got me confused with the other black girl across the room or the other black boy across the room. Mm-hmm. Or you say I'm intimidating because I talk because I switch back and forth and code switch and I don't like the teacher no way. And I say big words in front of her. And if she says something crazy to me, I'm going to go get my mama who's rich. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? Like they're intimidated. Like there's a level of intimidation on a lot of different levels with black kids. And I do think, like, when we think about what we would want for them to have in a Black History Month program, we have to center Black students' needs. Black students deserve, and I say this out loud, they deserve to stop 
to not be ear hustling and education. They deserve an education that centers them. And that's, I mean, and I mean, I don't care when you start, but if Black History Month is when you start to center them, then center them in Black History Month and ask them sincere, real questions. Bring speakers of note that inspire. Bring, um, do have ex- exhibitions around art that they have never seen and connected to popular culture. Make sure that they try foods from across the diaspora. Like, don't just give them fried chicken. Like, these babies need to know what soup Jumu was. They need to know that that's the soup of revolution from Haitian culture. And that if you got Haitian, Afro-Haitian friends, then you probably gonna, you probably have smelled soup Jumu coming out of their house around um, New Year's Day the same way your mama in the kitchen cooking collard greens and Probably black eyed peas. Black eyed peas. Mm-hmm. Come on. Yep. Their collard yeah, greens are everywhere. Yeah. I didn't ate everywhere. I didn't ate in almost every black restaurant in the country. I mean, in terms of like <laughs> type of restaurant. <laughs> I saw I was like, I was eating Ethiopian food. I said collard greens are in Ethiopia. And something said, Sean, well, them Negroes are Negroes, so mm-hmm. collard greens good in <laughs> right. the South. Right. They must be good in Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. I was in West, I was looking eating West African food. Is there okra in West African food? Negro, where you think we get it from down mm-hmm. south? Okra comes from over there, and the whole word is not from you. This ain't no European word. This is a whole black word. So again, mm-hmm. I think that we have to bring, I think that we have to center black students in Black History Month programming first, and then, then and then I do think we, I mean, I think everybody else can learn from that. And I think if we don't teach people that everything, if we don't teach white students that everything ain't about them, they're going to struggle with the world. Which is why, you know. Come on. That's why we Especially end up with a cool last going now. Like, yeah. just, just taking one uh-huh. thing uh, in, into consideration, looking at uh, Biden's, um, President Biden's, uh, I don't even know what you call it. Inauguration? No, not the inauguration, but his his. His people, his group of people, what are they called? I don't know. Not his cabinet. Normal people. Um, but his cabinet. What they said recently. Yeah, his cabinet uh, is is uh, diverse. Diverse. It is so diverse. So, so diverse. And like I said, the way it the world's like going America. now, you... Exactly. 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 You're not. You're not in just a white person world anymore. Like you are going to see black people. One. You're going to see Indian people. You're going to see Spanish people. You you LGBTQ, are going to see people from all different binary, you know places, all different areas, all that. and you're going to have to be able to interact with those people. Point blank. Period. Now, you're going to have to not only about interact, them or how to communicate with them gonna, or whatever. You going mm-hmm. I not only interact. You're going to lose your job should you not understand when you're stepping on people's toes. You don't get to go around the world yeah, making yeah, yeah. stuff. You don't get to go around the world making sweatshirts that look like are putting black kids in a photo campaign with with monkeys and apes on it. You don't get to do that. Mm. You don't get to go live in the world and call LGBT. You, you don't get to call um, a transgender woman a tranny. You don't get to do that. You don't. Like that's the, the and the thing is like what is so hilarious to me that the education of uh like when we do our better when we do multi ethnic multicultural what we might call multicultural education across curricula um when we do that well and this is really thinking about Bonita Little's work who's down in UGA I'm sure you know I know most most people know her who are in education um but like when you think about 
like this this level of education to be fair it actually makes you a much more critical thoughtful considerate person in the world and you are able to live in the world in a way that allows you to consider everybody when you think mm-hmm. you're the center of attention in the world by yourself um it really it really me- leads room for well, I'm just going to, I'm going to, it leaves room for like people not to understand the moment that they're in. And I do think it will have people participating in coups and not realizing that they're breaking the law. <laughs> and, and when, and then thinking that they're really kind of a counterbalance to Black Lives Matter when actually white supremacy and carrying the Confederate flag into the White House or into the Capitol mm. is not just mm. derelict, but like you are like, this is the institution that defeated that. So you are not actually participating in patriotism. You're actually participating in a government overthrow and all y'all be, need to be in jail. And what's so mm. hilarious is I wish of the people who went into the white house a couple weeks ago, and you didn't ask me this question. I did see, I saw something on Twitter. I don't take credit for it, but it's a really good question. How many teachers were there? Hmm. Mm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. How many mm-hmm. teachers thought that that was a good idea? That and they also teach they black and te- brown kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you, but you're out here looking in the faces of black and brown kids, thinking that they are less than, and wanting to continue to do that job. Under the guise that you are a nice white a nice white man or a nice white lady, and you know what? In two thousand and twenty one, um, and Kamala is my new um vice president, and you know she's you know and she went to Howard the Mecca and she pledged AKA. I really just feel like and everybody and the and the theme yesterday was jewel tones and maybe y'all didn't catch that win, um, but. The reality is like we don't have time for that. Mm-hmm. You gotta go. Mm-hmm. You need, you know, like maybe you do need to do some jail time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you, have to, really, when I, your, I, you know how your mama tell you, you need to go sit and think about what you did. You maybe you do. Maybe you need to go sit and think about absolutely. what you did. Yeah, you need to be sitting in solitary confinement and thinking about what you did. Um, but I really don't think we have like I think a world where you think that that's like where where some teachers think that's okay. And then they're going to be hostile to the education of black students fully and the education of white students as well. Mm-hmm. But like the, the, the ex and we're going to, we're going to continue to exclude Latinx authors. Like they don't exist and Asian authors and they, and indigenous authors and indigenous histories. Like I, it's time out for that. That's not the America we want. That's not the America I want. So that's, that's what I got. You you had a lot, sir. You had a lot, and we one hundred and twenty six appreciate it. Let me tell you how I didn't have a notebook next to me, so I didn't wrote everything down on this here napkin that I'm gonna make sure I don't throw it away because I didn't just been taking my notes like like I was in class. You definitely took us to class and church, and we greatly appreciate it. This one of them episodes I gotta go back and listen to myself and take notes on it. Again, I already got people that I know. I'm about to tag them to the to when I upload it. Like I'm gonna tag you, and I'm gonna tag you, and you go listen. 
And I hope you learned something. Congratulations. Mike tag that little girl on Facebook that me and you was having a battle with earlier today, but I probably would block her by the time tonight. It was just a conversation. It was just a conversation. Chash, you better get off my page with that. I'm telling you that much. This is a cold switch for you. She's like, I don't understand. I don't understand. All sides matter, baby. If you want all sides, go to the buffet. That's where the sides are. Listen, you go over there. I'm over here where the money resides, as a little young man said. Now, as a little Okay, so we uh, are going to go ahead and get ready to close out this episode. Make sure you guys share this with others. We hope you learn. Um, Subscribe to the podcast on all podcast platforms. Also, make sure you check out our uh, Twitter page at Two Dukes Up or After School Talk and our Instagram page at After School Talk. And we will um, we will split this um, this episode probably. I'm going to split up in, in two parts. So I'm going to leave them with a cliffhanger and then hit them with a second part of it. So we will be Ooh. back in... Well, well, technically, they'll hear us back in like two weeks, but boom, you, they yeah, get that yeah, point. Yeah, well, yeah. But also, we want to thank uh, Mr. Sean Palmer for Woo! coming in today. Thank you so much, Mr. Palmer. Yeah. Woo! I thank you for coming to your own show, too. <laughs> but that's the end of this episode. We'll see y'all next time. Peace. Peace.